Hi, Leg Warehouse? Yeah, my friend Ted needs something to stand on. Uh, what's that? Nothing for him to stand on? Oh, okay, great, thanks. And welcome to Culture, Conflict, and Cocktails, where I slowly get more intoxicated and explain popular TV shows from the early 2000s. All right, bros and broads, I have been going about this the wrong way. We are at season one, episode 15 of How I Met Your Mother, and there has been not enough coffee, not enough drinking, and not enough fun. We're, I, I know it's the winter, but I have, should be the levity that gets you through the act of putting your fingers through your hair in the shower when you can't. You, you just can't. It's, it's a weekday and we, we're moving on. We're, we're trying to increase the joy. Episode 15 was not a good one. It, I, I want it to be. I want it to be because it sets up, and I Googled this, it's called an arc. And if that sounds condescending, it's because I'm making fun of my brain, not you guys. The idea that the writers know where a show's going to go more than an episode in advance this episode is totally necessary. You can't you can't do the season without it, but both storylines. But it doesn't hit the if if your tongue has different flavor centers and taste buds and whatnot, your heart should as well for different emotion. Yeah, my analogy is not gonna hold up well in a second, but this episode just really doesn't hit any of the flavor centers of the heart. There are just two important, so I'm gonna just briefly meh. There's a fun amount of commentary that I can get to, but otherwise, it's it's a bad episode. Narrator Ted gives the background that Marshall has always been good at games, and so they stopped playing with him and they made him be the game master. So he creates this convoluted game with way too many rules for the gang to play, and of course, there's drinking involved, because that just makes games more fun. The episode is a setup the first time that Victoria will be hanging out with the group, despite coming to Ted's apartment multiple times. So this is everybody, including Robin, who we previously learned had the hots for Ted. And then Robin went out with Barney, so now everybody but Ted knows that Robin wants Ted. Except except Victoria, nobody's that doe-eyed and hopeful. That's dumb. She, mm, the fact that, oh, who's your friend group? Uh, One of them just happens to be this super hot brunette who isn't dating anybody. Ted, why have you never tried to hit that? Nobody should be that secure that there is no sense of jealousy. Ted sees Robin three times as much as Victoria, and Victoria's just cool with it. She's like, I I know what I'm swinging. So, eh, immediately take issue with that. Here's the age-old, can guys and girls be plutonic friends? Scientifically, the answer is no. Because the male lizard brain will eventually catch up. And there is an episode that, it, seasons later, there is an episode that addresses this so much better. But the modern day studies that have been done, guys and girls cannot be just friends. Somebody always wants somebody. There's always some sort of tension going on. You can if they're not attracted to the other person. The the guy more than the girl. But if the like sexual orientation or something like that. But the, the hotter of the two? The genderless person? I'm not going to get around that. The essentially the male, the in heterosexual male female like two people, if the male is attracted to the female, then they cannot be friend there is a pining going after or a like a friend zoning or a 
underlaying scheming, manipulated, that sort of thing. It it just doesn't work. The sex happens between human beings. It's a evolutionary, bi- biological. Well, what are you gonna do? So Victoria is just fine with Robin in the group because her and Ted are in the honeymoon phase. All right, that's fair. Yeah, it. She hasn't had a reason to bring it up. So all right, I'm fine with that. So Marshall creates convoluted game, and the crux of the game is that the questions slowly interrogate Victoria or they like grill her into the group so that the gang knows more about her in an indirect way as opposed to asking her specific questions. There's an overhanded, underwritten deus ex machina. Lily just says to Barney, hey, I was at this party on this random street and the hostess said, so I, in my last recording, I just dumped all over the universe in which this random girl... Barney is never mentioned in Lily's day-to-day life. That they don't run in the same circles. She goes against everything that he believes and the way that he operates his life. She's incredibly judgmental. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll get to that. She just up and says, "Oh, I got to talking about this girl who said she knew you, and she gave me a VHS tape to give to you, which again is dumb." So we, of course, the gang sees the tape. It's Barney with a soul patch and a ponytail, and he's playing piano and crying about how he wants this girl back. Barney grabs the tape and flees the apartment, freaks out, and they end up talking to him about it down at the bar. And in exchange for his explanation of what the heck was that, the gang tells the group their most embarrassing story. Marshall accidentally gets walked in on in the bathroom at school. Victoria has some sort of hot tub story. Lily talks about the time that she had sex while on the phone with Marshall's mother. And why doesn't Marshall's mom just hang up? That's real dumb. That's real dumb. The subtext of this is that Barney wants Ted to tell the story of his first date with Robin, where after he doesn't get kissed and he says, I love you, and he gets kicked out and the thing, he goes back to the bar with Barney and Ranjit. So for this flashback, they bring back Ranjit, which I totally love. They have a bunch of beers and Ted says, I'm going to go kiss Rotley. You guys think I should have kissed her? Well, I'm going to go kiss her right now. And he re-returns. And, and apparently Ranjit drives drunk as hell to wherever Robin's apartment is. When Ted, Barney, and Ranjit, like, Ranjit is just part of the gang now. He gets out of the cab and he comes up Sarah. He's like, yeah, 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 Ranjit, let's, you know, we're going to make this happen. He like physically goes into Robin's building. Oh. When Ted gets to Robin's doorstep up the stairs, he throws up onto her doormat and Robin overhears it's like 1 30 in the morning where her bedroom is nowhere near her front all right so I call bullshit on that but everybody skedaddle they Ralph and run and Sherbatsky always wonders who threw up on her just a rant so this is also news to us the audience that Ted was that dedicated to liking Robin so this sort of re-ups the Robin liking Ted Victoria doesn't like hearing about the, oh, you and Robin did used to date. Whether or not I was thinking that, I'm totally thinking that now. So she dips out in the end of the episode, talks about the nature of who we were in the past. So past Barney, this is like 10 years ago, and past Ted, this was like six months ago. So it's totally not super parallel, relatable, whole thing. Narrator Ted says how your embarrassing stories are not as embarrassing the further back in time they are, which, yeah, yes and no. Ted buys Robin a new doormat. He owns up to it, which, uh, and Victoria buys Ted some fake vomit and puts it on his doormat and it's cute, but there is no 
Ted addressing the issue with Victoria. So this like puts a hole in their relationship that, spoiler alert, will not get resolved. The backstory for Barney's videotape is that he used to be a granola crunching hippie with a backpack who was going to join the Peace Corps. And he was dating this girl in a coffee shop. And he was just a huge dork. One day, leading up to him joining the Peace Corps with his then girlfriend at the time, she says she can't go because of this specific interaction with this guy in a suit. And he's like, you know, it's all about getting paid and getting laid. High five, which is where Barney gets the high five from. It turns out that Barney's girlfriend leaves him for the business suit guy because he's a a rich alpha male that I will definitively say has aged well. There is just a huge dichotomy schism. I had a very long conversation about the nature of being an out. What does it mean to be a a man's man, a male with the the hairy chest and the Burt Reynolds and the smoking cigars and chopping stuff and squishing spiders, taking care of business? What is it look like to be a man and what does it mean to be a man? So there's this whole underlying, it's a difficult time to be a man. It's a no, no one, no one would possibly agree with me. No one should agree with me on that. So I rescind. It's not difficult to be a man. It's difficult to show that you're a man or act to define what a man, there we go. It is difficult to define what a man should be in today's day and age what that looks like, how respectable, how emotionally in tune, how verbal, how reciprocative, those sorts of things. So that it not really hammered down because there's a, especially with the current famous people who I don't want to give lip service to, this is how men should act. And the other side of the coin, that is absolutely not how men should act. 20 year old Shannon liking the chauvinistic, toxic, Andrew, whatever, the suit guy, who, you know, knows who he is, but brazenly doesn't give a fuck or respect people in general. And he's not, so the the lines that he's given are not overly rude or anti-Semitic or like anything like that, but he, you can immediately tell that he's not a nice guy. Barney says, but I love you. And Shannon's response is, but he has a boat. That is so timeless. Uh, nice guys never finish. If you, if you like somebody too much and you are uh, upfront and open, too much too early about how you like them, that is the quickest way to get sent out the door. Good grief. Barney sees the contrast between, well, here, I've been a great guy this whole time, and this is what my girl immediately got stolen out from under me from this guy with just waves of confidence. Therefore, I must play that. When he confronts his then-girlfriend, who, like, when he finds out that she's cheating on him with the suit guy... The suit guy laughs at Barney and Barney stumbles out into the night and somebody slaps him with an ad that says suit up, which is the the, the first met. So this is the origin story of Barney. And we then see a like a six million dollar man transformation thing of him cutting off the ponytail and putting on the suit and like fitting himself and then stepping out into the world to terrorize women. So I like that part in the sense that this explains why Barney is. We we have immediately there is a there's an unresolved trauma. Barney didn't get dumped. He got his girlfriend stolen from him, and his response was to way overcorrect and become something that he's not. As far as origin stories go for Barney, that's okay because we do get a moment of why he loves high fiving, why he says legendary, why he suits up. So 
it gives us a little more insight, but it doesn't, it gives Barney a layer, finally, thank goodness. But it l- runs him into this person who was a person and then decided to become a flat character. We get no commentary from narrator Ted or otherwise that Barney's entire personality is a facade or that he may have real emotions underneath. The reason that he needs to go out and have sex and wear suits and drink and live this fantastical Gatsby lifestyle is because he's too insecure to not face the rejection. So there's just this whole element of his personality that's missing from our understanding. And his close friend group is totally fine with that. Nobody wants to know that there are any deeper layers to Barney. He loves suits, cigars, and strip clubs. And that's that's all you need to know. Like you don't have to you don't have to dig further than that. So the the moral of the story is the you that you are before you have reached your formative self as an adult. Here are the influences that surround us that can push us towards who we will become. Good person, bad person, verbal person, stoic person. That has aged super well, but it was not addressed in a meaningful way that so Barney gives everybody the embarrassing story and then the whole gang just kind of moves on from it. Just like, oh, that's why you're a bad person. But they let him be a bad person. There's no wanting to communicate about it or help him through that or find the roots for it. When you become someone other than you thought that you would be, that will get you further. If you lie to yourself and grow up to be someone other than who you thought you would be, you will be happier overall. So Barney clearly needs therapy, and that is something that nobody is that wasn't popularized in the early 2000s. So nobody address it like, uh, hey man, have you ever considered why you lie manipulate women? Because the same thing happened to you, and especially for men who are not used to communicating their emotions and feelings and vulnerabilities and stuff like that. Technically, that aged incredibly well that men are still afraid to open up their vulnerabilities and talk about who they are as people when they are expected to be this flat version of how people perceive them. Overall, this was a placeholder episode because the board game immediately drops out of the bottom and the overall storyline, it's supposed to introduce us more to Victoria and the chemistry between Ted. We haven't seen a relationship, Ted. We don't know what how that looks like on him. But the episode immediately pivots and becomes more about Barney. And then by proxy, the re-return, it becomes more about Robin than Victoria. And the writing-wise, there's a reason. As we get closer to the end of season one, there's a reason why... Ted and Robin need these moments of eye contact, despite Victoria's being at the same booth in the bar. Not cool. Not cool. I don't like how they do Victoria in the handful of episodes that she's in. I'm about to hit publish in a couple of minutes, and that's going to be that. I recorded this twice, and the first time I was too serious, and the second time I was too lackadaisical, and then, of course doing something, attempting to do something the same way two times, multiple times, you're not going to do it the exact same way. The That's that's why people like hobbies. It's never the same way. Except for when you're recording a lecture and then you have to splice everything to get... So, ugh. kudos to me for 
accomplishing this. I I want this to be the episode. This will be my who's that freaking director that everybody Space Odyssey Kubrick. This is going to be my Kubrick episode that when I become famous, people are going to point back to this piece of art and say, this is how you revise intelligently. (sighs) We made it. We made it through another cloudy day.